My name is John Taylor and I've been working with the Houston Museum of Natural Science for approximately 10 years. How I got into diving was uh, in the Navy. Diving with the Navy doing stuff such as uh, underwater welding, underwater cutting, underwater explosives, uh, working with sea lions, hooking into practice mines, salvage jobs. While I was doing that, a friend of mine asked me if we could grab some scuba tanks from the dive locker. We went up to the tail race canal and we were diving in about 25 foot of water. He found a bunch of shark teeth. And I said, there's sharks in here? He goes, no, this is fresh water. These are millions of years old. I said, oh, wow, that's really cool. And so we uh, made necklaces, shark tooth necklaces out of them. And we sold them on the ship to the other sailors. And so we started hunting the bigger rivers and we started finding the megalodon teeth. I took techniques that I learned in the Navy and used them for diving for the shark's teeth. We used a handheld sonar uh, that would go ch ch and then when it would hit something hard, it would go ding, ding, ding. And I used that to find the locations of where the teeth were faster until we found an area that was concentrated with shark teeth and other fossils. So some information about the megalodon, it was the largest predatory shark that ever lived. It got up to 60 foot, which is longer than a school bus. School buses average 45 foot. The megalodon's bite was approximately 40,000 pounds per square inch. The T-Rex was approximately 12,000 pounds per square inch. The crocodile is about 3,750, 3,750 pounds per square inch. And the human bite force is approximately 160 pounds. The megalodon had rows and rows of teeth. Uh, the average shark loses about 20,000 teeth in its lifetime. It takes average about seven to 10 days to go from the second row to the first row, and then another seven to 10 days before it falls to the ocean floor. Other things about the megalodon is it weighs about 50 tons. It was in the Miocene-Pliocene. It's had several name changes over the past few decades. It was originally Carcharodon megalodon because they thought it was related to the great white. Later they found out it has no relation to the great white and then was renamed Carcharocles megalodon and today it's known as Ototus megalodon. Planning for the dive is usually done the, the day before. Uh, we have certain gear that we use for shark tooth diving. We're using uh, high-powered ca uh, cave lights. We're using helmets for more protection. The basic gear for scuba diving, the mask, uh, regulator, tanks, uh, BC, weight belt, and fins. We also use a center console boat uh, because we can move around in it a lot easier. We put the tanks up front. Uh, we have more of a V-hull on our, our boat because we want to hit in the bays and we want to hit in the rivers. Then we also use uh, just a, a diving knife to pull us along in the current. We have extremely strong currents in South Carolina and Georgia. And when it's a full moon or a new moon, it's so powerful that a lot of times you can't go left and right, you're going back. And when it's a high current day, one of us will stay on the boat and we'll pick up the other one. Usually he's going backwards. We've got a lot of dangers in the waters of South Carolina that we got to look for. We don't have a lot of protection except for that, that dive knife. Can't use spear guns uh, because you got a buddy. We have limited uh, visibility. I use something called uh, shark bands. It's, um, it's a magnet, it's a rare earth magnet and I tie it to my BC. Usually when I'm underwater, sharks are skittish because of the bubbles. Uh, and also, you know, they can't see me, I can't see them, so they get more skittish because of the bubbles. But when I'm on the surface, I have the shark bands on my waist with my uh, BC. I'm hoping it'll work. I don't know, but it's kind of like a, uh, just a little security thing. I've seen videos where they get 
discouraged by that rare earth magnet. Yeah, other, other dangers that uh, we face down there are stingrays. I've gotten hit in the face by a stingray, extremely painful. Uh, you have to watch that the, the barb doesn't get in the bone. It can cause a serious uh, infection. And offshore, it's a different set of dangers. Uh, weather, uh, the weather can be so bad that the back of the boat is coming out of the water. It could break your neck or you know break an arm. Uh, you also got decompression sickness you have to worry about and predatory animals coming around you. It's a whole set of different dangers. Where the teeth are found is usually where these, the turbulence is. Uh, offshore, it's around the cliffs. There's a lot of turbulence around cliffs and that's where they're exposed. So when I do my drops, what I'm looking for is a bottom that has rock, phosphate rock and bones. And usually the teeth are with it. Usually they're, you know, maybe they're, they're only 20 yards, maybe they're a hundred yards. And I'm just methodically going back and forth, trying to cover the whole bed. When I'm looking for fossils and looking for certain species, I dive in different spots. In the rivers, I can find more than just shark teeth. I can find angostitin, some auriculitis. These are species that are kind of mixed together along with also elephant teeth, sloth uh, teeth and claws. I find armadillo scoots, alligator scoots, alligator teeth. There's so many different things that I find in the waters of South Carolina, Georgia, North Carolina, and Virginia. But when I go offshore, the predominantly what I'm finding is megalodon teeth, uh, extinct great white, maybe a few threshers. Um, it's mainly shark teeth that I'm finding offshore. Inshore, we have a much bigger menu. So in certain spots where I, I die from meg teeth, I can find uh, some areas it's just concentrated with meg teeth and I might be looking for just a lot of meg teeth. Uh, other areas I might be looking for collector teeth, which they have um, been, they've been semi-exposed, they're just coming out. And so they're pristine, they have the serrations, they have the borelette, which is like a chevron between the root and the blade. Uh, so I might be looking for those for a certain collector, but predominantly I'm looking for a big, uh, a big bed of teeth. When I'm looking for the meg teeth, uh, one of the things that's prized by divers is a six inch tooth. This is a large six inch tooth. And like I was talking about, here's the root and here's the blade, okay? And this is the chevron that I was talking about or borelette, that's the scientific name. And so what people are looking for in a tooth is a good root, good enamel front and back, uh, and a collector would be looking for the finer details such as the, the borelette and the serrations. So. Over many years, the sand is going back and forth in the current and it sandblasts the serrations off of the meg tooth. And so this is considered a commercial grade versus uh, a collector grade. Yeah, and this, this is a six, six, and a six and a quarter teeth. They get up to seven inches. Seven inches is the ultimate find. It's taken me 25 years to find one seven inch tooth. Yeah, and I've been doing this for 33 years. So another 15 or so years, I should find another one. <laughs> yeah, so I've had a lot of dangerous situations while I've been diving for the Megalodon. Uh, some of the things that's happened to me is I've had alligators come after me and I've had my boat guy get to me uh, just in time, about drowned in the water because somebody left two cinder blocks and a rope and my regulator got tangled in, uh, in the back. 
and I could see the surface of the water, but I couldn't get to the surface. I've been stung in the face by a stingray when I was looking for the Meg teeth around boulders and limited visibility. I've been washed out to sea and I've had to swim out of the current where the bay opens and come around and go back and get my boat. One of the reasons I got into diving is the adventure, the adrenaline, all the different dangers. I find it exciting. Uh, it's a treasure hunt. You never know what you're gonna find, especially in the rivers because there's so many different species. Later on, I really became interested in the science of it. You know, it started with a, a tooth. Okay, that's a shark's tooth. Then I started asking questions. What species does this belong to? Where does it get its color? Why are some of them damaged? It, it just came into a whole slew of questions that I had to have answered. I became so passionate about it uh, that after eight years in the Navy, uh, I had to get out because this was a disease for me. I just loved it. Normally, we try to dive 150 days a year. I now dive four days a week, four tanks a day, which is about four hours underwater. I didn't want to do really anything else but dive for the shark teeth because I'm so excited. Every time I get in the water, I never know what I'm going to find. It could be a six inch tooth, it could be a seven inch tooth, it could be a mammoth skeleton or a sloth claw. I have no idea. And that's what's so exciting about diving every day for this. You never know what you're gonna find. But that's another thing I get excited about when I'm diving for shark teeth is different colors of the fossils. Uh, some of them are tan, some of them are gray, some of them are reddish brown. And what they did, they take the the colors of the environment that they are mineralized in. So this one, this one for example, is a, is a tan one, and this was mineralized in sand. This one here, this one is actually tan, and it has a little bit of orange in there. This was uh, sand with iron in it. I have another one here. This one is a reddish brown, and what causes that is, I don't know if you've ever seen these tea-colored rivers. Uh, that's actually tan, and that's decayed leaves and bark and it actually stains the tooth. So this tooth was probably, it was originally gray, and maybe it came out, changed to tan, and then turned into this reddish brown color from the tannin. I also have the gray. Gray and tan are actually the most common colors, and this gray was from the Miocene formation or the Hawthorne formation. Uh, when the shark was swimming around and it lost its teeth, this would fall into the gray clay and take on the, the colors of the minerals that were in that clay. We also find black. Black is usually from bacteria, but there's many different colors. Here at the Houston Museum of Natural Science, I'm getting some very interesting reactions from the megalodon teeth that we have displayed here. Uh, one of the reactions is disbelief that they're real teeth. Uh, other reactions I get is, wow, those are big teeth. And I explain to them that this is the, the largest carnivorous shark that has ever lived. So some of the most spectacular teeth that I found were uh, red teeth uh, from up in North Carolina, beautiful red. I found beautiful blues in another area, uh, whites, uh, ones with different contrasts, a brown root with a black uh, blade and a black chevron, uh, ones that had different patterns, uh, very colorful. And then some of the, the other ones that I'm proud, I'm proud of the seven inch tooth that I found uh, and a lot of other ones, and not just ones that are big, uh, little ones too, that have unique curves or, un or pathologies, which are deformities. I have a, a lot of teeth. I have over 20,000 teeth in my collection. The Meg teeth are very popular, but they weren't at the beginning. A lot of people didn't know what Meg teeth were. When I first started, I'd do shows in like the mountains, and I'd set up and everybody would go, look at all the arrowheads. 
And I go, oh my gosh. So then around 2018, the Meg movie came out and then it became extremely popular. Uh, we sold, we about sold out of some of the, the, the teeth that we had, the smaller ones, the mid-grade ones. Uh, and then in, during COVID, the interest in Megalodon really exploded because everybody was stuck home reading about it. These groups used to be like a thousand. Now they're tens of thousands. So one of the biggest uh, forces that destroys fossils is mother nature. And then we also have uh, the building and construction of uh, roads and, and all these areas are gonna be covered and you're not gonna be able to get the fossils. Also in the rivers where I dive, uh, these teeth, once they come out of the, the bank, they start deteriorating. When a shark tooth falls out of the shark's mouth, the megalodon's mouth, it goes into a slurry of minerals, it becomes fossilized and it's safe, it's encapsulated. Uh, once it falls out of the bank, then it rapidly deteriorates. Uh, things such as uh, brackish water barnacles. Brackish water, water barnacles will, will attach themselves to the, to the enamel around the edge of the enamel and their base expands and the height expands. So they actually lift the enamel up and smaller barnacles get up underneath the teeth and they'll totally peel out the center of a tooth and take the enamel off both sides. Uh, there's other stuff that, that damages the teeth like encrusted by rhizoa. There's fast currents uh, that 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 take off the or sandblast the sides of the tooth and or takes off the serrations. Um, there's so many things that destroy fossils. One of the, one of the biggest things elements that destroys fossils down there in the rivers where I am is sand. Sand accumulates into dunes and it actually crushes the fossils. Uh, anywhere where there's a void, like just underneath the shark tooth, if it's laying on the ground and it's been exposed out of the mud, this is a void. If I took sand here or my hand and I pushed down the supporting parts of the tooth are these two root sides and the tip. And so this will break right in half. And other fossils have the same, same problem. So when you collect fossils, you're doing a good thing. Uh, you're, doing a, you're doing a good job either preserving it uh, from further damage or for educational re reasons. One of the other missions of our company is preservation and, well, and education. Uh, we wanna preserve the specimens that we find from the destruction of the elements. Uh, and we wanna put them into museums so that millions of visitors here at the Houston Museum of Natural Science can enjoy them for years to come.